as we take our seats, I'm going to pass the baskets around. Leave that one to you, JW. Pass around behind you. Start another one over here. I know many of you give through the app, uh, texting a dollar amount to 84321. Thank you for doing that. Those of you who give online, thank you for that. A um, couple of things that we were going to do at the beginning and I think we we missed, but I just want to say we're part of a worldwide family. Have you got that statement? Part of the Catch the Fire family and our vision as a worldwide family is to see the nations filled with churches walking in God's love and giving it away until the whole world knows God's glory. Isn't that cool? That's our, that's our heritage as a family. And here in Myrtle Beach, the way we do that is by being connected and healthy and fruitful. And we've been looking at that together, haven't we, uh, the last few weeks. And um, I want us to look this morning for just a little while on the whole area of authority. Because as we look at our world, there is a great hunger for true authority. Would that be true? There's a great need for true authority in our world. And yet last week we looked uh, at scripture, didn't we? We looked at the word of God. Uh, and if you weren't able to be with us last week, I'd encourage you to go back and, and listen to that again or watch that again online because I feel like it's a foundational principle for us to really be rooted in Scripture. But as we read the Scripture, we read probably one of the central points of the Scripture is after the resurrection where Jesus meets with his disciples before returning to heaven, isn't it? In Matthew 28, uh, verse... 18, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Remember that? It's part of the Great Commission, isn't it? So Jesus tells his followers, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Let me ask you something. What does that leave out? Nothing. Correct. Nothing. But if you're anything like me, your mind says, but, <laughs> but what about these circumstances in my life? What about what I see on the news? What about the mess our, our, our government is in? What about the, the, the circumstances here in Myrtle Beach? What about this? What about that? But, 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 but. But Jesus doesn't leave us any room for buts, <laughs> does he? He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he tells us what to do because of that. But we'll come back to that in a moment. In your Bibles or on your phones, come with me to Philippians 2 for a moment. Let me read a couple of verses In Philippians 2, start from verse 9. 
Therefore, God has highly exalted him, that's Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's pretty clear, isn't it? God has done this to our Lord Jesus. He's placed him in that exalted place where his name is above every name. Now, those of you who follow the news will know that every big name on the planet is going to be in one place tomorrow. Well, not every big name, but the rulers and kings and queens and presidents and prime ministers and whatevers of practically every country on the planet is going to be in Westminster Abbey tomorrow for the Queen's funeral. But there's a name above every name that outranks all of them. Yeah, they're calling it the greatest assembly of, of important people the world has ever seen. And rightly so, because this lady ruled for 70 years and was able to have influence all over the place in, in an era where men had all the, all, the, all the cards in their hand and the women didn't have any. And the queen kind of trailblazed her way through. That's not in my notes, but Jesus has a place that's above every name. Every name. So, I don't know about you, but my mind says, well, why? <laughs> why is that so? What is the reason, or what is the cause, or what is the, 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 the pathway to Jesus being exalted above every other name? And you see that little word at the beginning of verse 9, therefore. One of the first things I learned as a new Christian, from a very wise old man, was he said, when you see therefore... Look what it's there for. In other words, what are the verses before it? What comes before God has exalt, highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name? Verse 8 says, and this is in the Passion Translation, He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example of, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. The most important man in all history did not become important by the same path as every other important person in history. He humbled himself, the Passion Translation says. In other translations it says he emptied himself. Let me do a little bit of theology to help you understand what that looks like. The Greek word is kenosis. And it literally means to empty yourself of everything that belongs to you and is yours by right for the sake of other people. In other words, Jesus willingly put aside all of his divine 
attributes and rights in order to become a human being. We celebrate it every Christmas, of course, don't we? The miracle that Almighty God becomes a tiny baby. And I want us to understand this morning that kenosis precedes authority. The willingness to let go of my rights is the pathway to being given authority by Jesus. Because true authority only dwells in those who empty themselves for others. And if you want an example of that, you could look in the news at a lot of the reports of what the Queen was like. I'm not making the Queen equal to Jesus. She would have hated that. But it was reported a few years ago that she said to one of her chaplains she was really looking forward to meeting Jesus face to face so she could throw her crown at his feet. And that sums the lady up. It's why she was so amazing. Because she was always emptying herself for other people. Because she knew Jesus. And she showed us the way to live, which is to empty ourselves for the sake of others. Come back just a couple of pages in your Bibles to Ephesians 1 with me. I'm sort of threading a few things together here, and I hope it will become clear in a moment where I'm going, if it's not already clear. <laughs> beginning of chapter 1. Uh, no, not the beginning of chapter 1, sorry, the end of chapter 1. Yes, here we go. Verse 20. In the middle of the verse. He raised him from the dead. That's God raised Jesus from the dead. And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet. That's where our Lord Jesus sits now, right? At the right hand of the Father. It's important that we feed on the Word of God. That we teach ourselves to embrace the truth of God. Because the truth of God is that at this moment and for all eternity, our Lord Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, far above all, every other, anything that you could put in there. <laughs> every name, every rule, every authority, every power, every dominion above every name that is named. Jesus is above all of it. Why? Because he emptied himself. He allowed himself to be humbled and crucified by his own creation. That's the source of authority. Last week we said about how Jesus is the Word. Yeah, this is the Word and Jesus is the Word. And you've got to make the two fit together. In the beginning, John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And verse 14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. 
It's what we've been doing together since we started this morning. Seeing his glory. Tasting his love. Celebrating his presence. The glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Everything that you need and I need is in him. And he is here to, in order to make sure that we receive all that we need from him. So this word reveals the word. And if ever it doesn't, we're misusing the book. This word reveals the word. We look for Jesus in all the scriptures. Because if we don't, we fall into the trap that Jesus talked about to the Pharisees in John 5. Trust me, I've done this too often. Thankfully, I've realized and repented. But in John 5... Verse 39, Jesus says to the learned people who were versed in all of the scriptures, he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Now he's not saying the scriptures are wrong. He's saying the way I'm reading it is wrong. He's not saying that it's wrong to read this book. Or these books, to be accurate. No, quite the contrary. We need to feed on these. And if you're not reading the Bible regularly, I would urge you to do so. Because otherwise you're starving yourself. (laughs) But you have to find Jesus in it. Because he's the one who has all authority. And I won't be able to look at our hurting, twisted world from the viewpoint that Jesus has all authority, if I'm not finding the Jesus who has all authority in the word that has all authority. I need to be in this book so that I'm closer to the one who indwells this book and wrote this book so that I can look at the world through his eyes and not through mine. And specifically not through the eyes of those who have other agendas than Jesus. So what Jesus is commending us to do is to read it and come to him. Because he told the Pharisees, look, you're reading it, but you're not coming to me that you may have life. So read it, all of it, (laughs) and then come to him and have life. I said this last week, but I know some of you weren't here. We've got two different reading programs that you can follow with us. They're both on the website and you can click on the the button that says Bible readings and both find the the latest ones and also sign up to get an email if that would help you. We go through the whole Bible in a year on one plan and we go through the New Testament in a year on the other plan. Important to see the whole picture so that we avoid the temptation just to get tucked into my favorite verses and miss all the rest. Okay? Come to him and have life. Because it's his life that gives his authority to us. You and I have authority in him. 
It's important we understand that as well. Not only do we need to look at the world through the, the lens of Jesus has all authority and that is the truth because God's word tells us it's the truth, but you and I have authority in him. You're in John, ten, excuse me, Luke 10. He said to his disciples who came back rejoicing after being sent out on their mission trip, right? Well, next weekend we're hoping to hear from Sherry as she comes back from her mission trip and I bet you she's going to be rejoicing over what God has done. Same with the, with the disciples uh, in Luke 10. They come back saying, wow, this is fantastic, Jesus. You know, all these, all these demons running away and people getting healed and, and it's just us. <laughs> you didn't even come with us, but we went out and did it because you told us to and it's woohoo, you know. Let's have a revival. <laughs> and he says... Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Serpents and scorpions there are an analogy, I believe. Now, okay, you could probably stamp on a serpent if you had to, <laughs> or a scorpion. What it means, though, is, the, is all of the unexpected stuff that comes out to bite you in life. Because they've been walking around through the, through the towns and villages and the trails and things, and yeah, there's serpents and scorpions. But that didn't stop them. And whenever you and I encounter a metaphorical serpent or scorpion in our lives, you know, the electric bill arrives and it's twice what you thought it was, or, or, or the, the bank contacts you and says that you know, there's been a mistake and you haven't got as much money as you thought, or, or the stock market takes a dive and your retirement doesn't look like as healthy as it used to, or, or whatever it may be, or your family tell you you're a lunatic and you've joined a cult by going to catch the fire Myrtle Beach and they don't want to talk to you anymore. Um, I'm trying to pick examples that I don't think have actually happened, but <laughs> life throws you curveballs, doesn't it? But you know what Jesus says we can do when something scurries out from the undergrowth and tries to bite us? Just stamp on it. Because he gives his authority to you and me. And if he is seated, where? Right hand of the Father, far above anything that might scurry out from the bushes to try and bite you then if you have his authority, you can stamp on it. And he says, nothing shall hurt you. He doesn't say nothing will come at you. He says, nothing will hurt you. But then he says this. This is most important that we read verse 20 along with verse 19. Nevertheless, you know, don't go out trying to buy you a viper or a python or something and you know, show everybody how spiritual you are by handling it. <laughs> don't go tiptoeing through boxes full of scorpions just to prove that you're a child of Jesus no nevertheless do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you but rejoice that your names are written in heaven could you all together speak out your name just out loud so you can hear it That name is on your father's lips. Say it again. Father speaks your name. Your names are written in heaven. 
you're his child. That is worth rejoicing about. All the other stuff happens as well, but what we focus on, what we rejoice in, is that our names are written in heaven. Hmm. We have authority in Jesus. He talks about it again in John 14. Let's turn over to that for a second. Starting at verse 10. He says, The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. The authority you have is not your authority, it's his. It's the Father's. Jesus had the Father's authority. The Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Did you catch that? Jesus says, the words that I speak, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Wait a minute, Jesus, are we talking about speaking or are we talking about working? (laughs) Yes. We're talking about both. Because God doesn't distinguish between speaking and working. Never has. You go back to Genesis 1 when God started speaking in the recorded scriptures. And the first thing that happened when God spoke was things happened. When God speaks a word to you, he does it in you. When he speaks truth to your heart, that truth takes root in your heart and becomes truth in you. And speaking of truth, verse 12, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So that authority that Jesus is speaking on is the same authority he speaks about in Matthew 28. All authority is given to me. The Greek word is exousia. And exousia is talking about having the, the right and the might to act. The power to do it and the right to do it. And now he's saying that if you know you are a child, you have that right too. And you have that might too. Because the Father gives authority to those who do his will. Or if you want to put it a different way, authority flows out of identity, not merely out of knowledge. Who you are matters far more than what you know. Some of the most powerful experiences I've had in my life where I've seen God do miraculous supernatural things have been when I didn't know what I was doing. All right? Now, okay, I know what we're to do. I've read, th- I mean, I'll pray for healing and I'll pray for deliverance and I'll pray for salvation and I'll, and I'll witness about Jesus. I'll do all the things that we're to do because I know to do them and God loves that. 
So don't make this a false dichotomy, but <laughs> most of the supernatural stuff happens when we don't know what we do. It's when I know who I am that God shows up and does stuff. When I rest in the fact that I'm a child of God, he's my dad, and my dad knows what he's doing, and he wants me to join in with it. That's why Jesus said to become like little children. To enter into the kingdom of heaven. I remember having little children once. <laughs> Some of you do too. My boys would follow me around saying, What are you doing, Daddy? Can I help? Can I join in? We had to buy little plastic toolkits so that if I was fixing something around the house, they could come and sort of hammer on something without doing any damage. We had to give them their own little gardens in the yard so they could dig in their garden and do what they thought was helpful rather than digging up what I'd planted. <laughs> they wanted to do what Daddy was doing. And I want to live like that. So when we gather like this, usually, here's a little glimpse of how I operate, I'm like, what are you doing, Daddy, and how can we join in? You may have noticed there really isn't a great plan. <laughs> yeah, we'll look at the Word together and learn from it. And yeah, we're going to worship Jesus with all we've got. And we're going to spend a lot of time interacting with one another so that the Holy Spirit gets a chance to get his hands on you through one another. Yeah. But there isn't really a plan. <laughs> Other than, what are you doing and how can we join in? That's in line with what Jesus says to the disciples in Acts 1 verses 7 and 8. He says, It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. It's not about knowing, it's about who you are. But, it's another word I love to find in Scripture. <laughs> Don't you? Oh, I'm not allowed to know when Jesus is coming back. I'm not allowed to know what's going to happen next. But, but, you, do you point to yourself and say, that means me? You <laughs> will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Whew. See, Father's authority... Some of it he keeps it for himself because he's the one who's in charge of when all this gets wrapped up. Now, do I believe he's going to wrap it up soon? Yes, I do. We are in the last days. But God's days and our days are not necessarily the same length. We've been in the last days since Jesus went... <laughs> okay? These are the last days. And we know a little of what's going to happen... We know he's going to come back and make it all right. But don't get distracted by the detail of what is he going to do. Be distracted by the detail of, Daddy, what are you doing now and how can I join in? Because you are a receptacle or a, a container or a channel of his authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus said. Therefore, go. As you go, do all the stuff. 
I'm paraphrasing, but you know what I mean, okay? Because Jesus gave his followers authority because they were his followers. They'd already said, okay, Jesus, I'm in. Hadn't they? They wouldn't have been there if they hadn't. Just like we have said, okay, Jesus, I'm in. <laughs> because authority is given to those who are under authority. Right? Do you remember the centurion who asked Jesus to heal his servant? Matthew 8. He says, only say the word and my servant will be healed. You don't need to come, you just need to say it. <laughs> now, I, don't need to I don't need you to detour Jesus, I just need you to say because you're a higher authority than I am and you've got the power that I, my servant needs. And all you need to do is say it and it'll happen. Because I am a man under authority. Not I'm a man in authority, because he was. No, I'm a man under authority. And I say to my soldiers, go, and he goes, and another one come, and he comes. See, Jesus was amazed that this Roman caught the dynamics of God's authority far better than all of God's people had at that point. The centurion and Jesus lived by the same principle. I'm a man under authority. If you jump over to John 6, verse 38, he said, I've come down, this is Jesus speaking, I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus lived to do the Father's will. In the Last Supper, he says, I do as the Father has commanded me. This is John 14, 31. I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. See, when I do what Daddy's doing, the world sees that I love him. And the same for you and me. I love John 5, 19. Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord. Nothing. You can't do anything. Neither can I. Except what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. Now I thought Jesus could do anything. But he says he can't. He says he can do nothing, but only what the Father's doing. And in John 15, this is the, the chapter that we got our connected, healthy, fruitful concept from. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So what is Jesus saying? And how can you and I abide in his love? Because as we do that, that's when the authority flows. That's when we see the world through the correct lenses. That's when we operate out of the place that we belong. Because you know what? You and I do not belong at the mercy of the world's system. We do not. Because when you gave your life to Jesus, your old life died. Now, there's a dead life with your name on it that belongs in the world system, but it's dead. It may be laying in state, <laughs> but it's dead. And there's a new life, the life you now live, 
that flows out of your identity as a child of God. And that's where the authority belongs. In your new identity as his child. So every one of us is under authority. Not only under the authority of Jesus, but under the authority of one another as well. That's why the writer to the Hebrews says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Usually when pastors read that verse, they put a heavy on the back end of it, and I'm not going to. But what I will say to you is that Jane and I are very grateful to have leaders in our lives that we can submit to, that we can listen to, that we can go to for wisdom, that we can ask for input, that we can have them speak to us about things we may have missed. And that's the sort of family that we believe God has called us to be, the sort of place where you can come to others in the church family, to us or to others in leadership and say, hey, what do you see in me? How can you help me grow into who, who God wants me to be? We want there to be that sort of authority. And it comes from submitting to one another. So we submit to God's word. If it's in here, it's true. And as we understand it, through the lens of Jesus, together, remember last week we talked about that corporate understanding, we do what the Father has said. And we do it together. What is Father saying? Well, if someone's hungry, give them food. If someone's thirsty, give them drink. If someone's a stranger, welcome them. If someone's naked, clothe them. If someone's sick, visit them. And if someone's in prison, go to them. And Ephesians 5 verse 15 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's a picture of the family God desires. And I believe we've been doing it together this morning. We've been singing and making melody because of how good he is. We've been being filled with the Spirit and we're going to go on being filled with the Spirit when we close this out in just a second here. We give thanks always. We started out, didn't we, giving thanks, testifying to things that we've seen God do this morning. And submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You see, authority comes when we see what the Father is doing. Authority flows when we choose to cooperate with Authority is essential if we are to stand out in this world rather than either be 
uh, complicit in going along with the world's ways or in being, how can I put it, misrepresentations of Jesus by strident opposition to the world's ways. God intends us to demonstrate the kingdom by our love for Jesus and our love for one another. We need authority to do that. But that authority comes simply from him. It's a gift. It comes because of who you are, not just because of what you do. And so we want to be filled with the Spirit. Before we move into ministry time, let me remind you, because I, I know some of you weren't with us last week when I told you this, Next, w not, not this week, next week, starting on Monday, we're going to be working with One Reach and other churches to host tent gatherings at the Traveller's Chapel on 501, on the way into Conway. It's a little place that doesn't have a label of we're this church or that church. No, it's just a place where people who are looking for Jesus go. And they find him. And that place has been there for 50 years. It kind of represents you can meet God here. And we're going to basically recognize that 50 years of anonymous availability to the kingdom. By just getting together, not with big banners and publicity, not as a big thing, but simply to say, God, here we are. We want this area to be able to meet you, be transformed by you, and to express your kingdom. Not through big names, not through big events, but simply through the kind of obedience we've been talking about this morning. So let your authority come through us. So I'd love you to put that on your calendars. There'll be a, a meal together at 5.30 each evening, Monday through Saturday. And then we'll start to meet probably around 6.30 with worship. And we don't know what else. Just obedience to God. There may be ministry to one another. There may be some encouragement, prophetic words, whatever. There may be other things God tells us to do. We're waiting to see what he wants to do through that time. But please plan to come and join us. Invite others who have that same desire to simply be in relationship with God and obedient to Him. No. Next Monday. 26th. Yeah. 26th is Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year, which apparently begins the year of Jubilee on the Jewish calendar. What a good time to begin. Yeah? And on October 1st, uh, the Saturday... The, uh, the tribal elders from the Navajo Nation, uh, together with other First Nations elders, will be in Myrtle Beach and have been invited to come and join us. So there's almost this kind of weave-it-all-together feeling of what God's been telling us to do. So it's exciting. As I say, it's not something to be big publicity. This is about God is calling us together as his children. It may be many, it may be few. Obedience is the key. God will do something out of that, I believe. But it's only as you and I are filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is one of our key values, is that all of us live full of the Holy Spirit. And so that's where we want to close for this morning, is to pray for one another 
to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Annette. I'm thinking of that area, and um, have they figured out where parking is going to be and where the logistics of all of that? Yes, logistics. The parking at the Traveller's Chapel, of course, is very small, but there is a building uh, on the Conway side of the Traveller's Chapel uh, in front of the refrigerated place, the U.S. Foods, uh, used to be a some kind of alternative health clinic or something. We can park anywhere in that area. There's a big parking lot there and a lot of flat grassland. Then there'll be a walkway across to the chapel from there. Um, so, and there will be portaloos and things in the in the Travelers Chapel parking lot. So, yes, park in the in the building. That's there used to be an old mobile home sales place behind there as well. But in front of U.S. Foods on the 501 uh, frontage there. Um, not in the U.S. Foods parking lot, but the one this side, the uh, the, uh, the alternative health center, as it used to be. That I think Christ United had their offices there for a short time before they moved back to the pottery. But um, that's where we'll be parking. So, yeah, park there. And, and this is going on for how long? Monday through Saturday. <coughs> Starting on that Monday, finishing on that Saturday, six okay. days. There will be a free meal at 5.30 on site because the guy that has had the vision for this is Michael Tyler who leads Meals on Wheels. It's not Meals on Wheels sponsoring it, so don't let's be putting out that Meals on Wheels are doing this because he says he might get in trouble. if you <laughs> But he's working it all out. There will be a free meal there at 5.30 uh, and then we'll start to meet at about 6.30. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'll give you his number. You can give him a call and see what he needs to help with. So. All right. <coughs> oh, yeah. Come on in and see what God wants to do. Hallelujah. So, we want to pray for one another to be filled with the Holy Spirit in obedience to Ephesians that we just read. Right? So, be filled with the Spirit giving thanks always to God the Father and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And I want to put those two things together, submitting to one another and being filled with the Holy Spirit. How many of you would say, I would love to have more of the Holy Spirit flowing in my life? Okay. Close your eyes for a second and say, Lord, who can I go to right now this morning who's in this room that I can ask them to pray for me? to be filled with you more. Because that's submitting to one another. You don't all have to come to me. <laughs> there isn't time for you all to come to me. But God will show you who to go to. And say, I want more of God in my life. I want to know more of the Holy Spirit living in me. Some of you, I want to challenge you to ask someone to pray for you for the gift of tongues. That's not the only gift of the Holy Spirit, but it's the first one that landed on the disciples on the day of Pentecost. And it's a very helpful gift because whenever you don't know what to do, you can pray in tongues and the Holy Spirit will pray for you. <laughs> so some of us, I believe God is challenging you to ask him for that gift. And he'll give it to you. And he'll show you now who to ask to pray for you. So we're going to be just released 
to holy chaos in obedience to the Father. I know that sounds like a contradiction, but go ask someone to pray for you for more of the Holy Spirit. And then when you receive more of the Holy Spirit as they pray for you, ask God, who can I go pray for now to share what you've given me? Let's have a ministry time among us to close out our time together.